Amen. Well, let's turn again, and we're going to uh, start again in uh, Psalm 147, and uh, we'll start there again tonight and read verses 1 through 5 again, Psalm 147, and I'll read verses 1 through 5. Say this. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart. He bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Let's pray again, please. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And Lord, so glad that we can come together and uh, uh, pray for these things and pray for one another. And again, Lord, we, again, we just uh, say amen to all those requests and say, God, that you would help spiritually and physically. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, the praises that were able to be uh, given. Lord, we thank you for watching over uh, uh, Donald, and we don't take that lightly, and watching over uh, Sister Judy as she was uh, traveling. And uh, Lord, uh, those that have been sick, helping uh, uh, them <laughs> to recover. Uh, but, Lord, the other needs that are upon our heart, God, we just ask you to have mercy and grace. Lord, we trust your will. We trust your wisdom. Lord, we trust your timing. And, uh, Lord, we just rest in your faithfulness. Now, again, Lord, help us as we learn together from the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a quick note, we read that prayer letter from uh, the Browns, and there's another family to Cambodia that's getting ready to go back. They're on furlough. And we had talked about sending a, a care package to the Browns, but they said if we get some things together that they can take an extra suitcase and uh, so there wouldn't be a, a charge for any post. We could just send some things to one of our missionaries and they would put it in an extra uh, a suitcase about that. So uh, we'll get a, get a, maybe have a list on Sunday or something in case anybody wants to help with that or the church will help out with that, but it can be a blessing to them. So uh, Sunday night, we started a, a lesson on numerology, and I think we got through, ver through uh, the numbers one through uh, three, and we talked about uh, uh, numbers, you know, uh, that significance uh, must be determined by usage. A number does not necessarily have a symbolic or spiritual significance every time it's used in the Bible, but it, it is something interesting to look at, not something you want to take too far, but it is, uh, it is uh, interesting. So we looked at the number one. Who remembers what the number one uh, represented, right? We used two words the other night. I'm sure you could use more. Yes, Sister Pam. Unity and all right. Starts with a P R I M A C Y. Well, that's what it ends with too, right? Huh? What was that? Did you pronounce that correctly? Okay. All right. All right. So it talks about unity, and we one of some of the things we noted about that the oneness of God, right? The oneness of God, right? We believe in the Trinity, but we believe that God is one. And then in primacy, the Lord is the first and the last. And the Bible teaches that God must seek man. Man must seek God first, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. And some of the first that we talked about in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the book of uh, beginnings, right? The Genesis is, was called the seed plot of the word of God. And now it talked about the first day, the first man, the first sin, the first promise of a Savior, the first sacrifice, uh, and uh, other, other things. Anybody remember anything, some of the first? 
Who wants to be the first one to try and answer that? First right. First marriage. First murder. Right. One more, one more. First what? First, yeah, first death first, uh, right? The first mention of love, aw, right? And so some good things there. Then we looked at number two. So we went from one, which talked about unity, to two, which is, talks about or represents division, separation, right? The first mention of two was when God made the two great lights, right? In Genesis at one, he talks about the two great lights to divide the light from darkness, right? God's always dividing the light from darkness and the evening and the morning, right? Two parts of the day, evening. But remember there in the Bible's principle is for evening to morning because God always moves from darkness to light. Of course, we flip it and we go light to darkness. We move from light to darkness. But God's principle is from darkness to light. And the Word of God is divided into two testaments, right? The Old and New Testament. Of course, the Bible talks about the two covenants, right? Law and grace. And then, of course, it also represents separation and strife. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And you see all those twos in the Bible, right? Cain and Abel, Abraham and Lot, Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob. So a lot of two that had strife uh, uh, together. And the Bible says man cannot have two masters. You've always heard the saying, right? Anything with two Two heads is a, is a monster, right? An organization needs to have one head. A marriage needs to have uh, one head, anything like that. And so God put all that in order. Then we talked about three. What did three represent? Divinity. Very good. Man, you're going to get a smiley face by your name tonight. You're doing good there, brother. Good job. Divinity, right? The, there are three persons in the Godhead. Right? The Father, the Word, these three are one. God dwells in the third heaven. And uh, the Lord Jesus was tempted three times. And that was interesting. Jesus prayed three times in the garden. Christ was denied uh, thrice by uh, Peter. Right? Jesus uh, died the third hour. There were three hours of darkness. He rose again the, (laughs) the third day. And we talked about the three abiding graces. Right, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and charity. Uh, man has three parts, right? Uh, body, soul, and spirit. And then we talked about the three, even in nature, the threes, right? Three primary colors, the three uh, kingdoms, animal, vegetable, mineral, the three forms of matter, the three periods of time, the three dimension, the three areas of human capacity. So, uh, thought, word, and deed. So a lot of things there in the one through three. Now, uh, I want to continue with uh, some of these things. I think they're interesting. Now we're going to look at the number four. Four. Does anybody know what? Yeah. No, it does start with a C, though. Start with a C. Of course, it does talk about something being completed. All right. Creation. The earth. The significance of this number is... Less certain, but it has used in connections with the earth and God's creative acts. Four is the first, I guess, non-prime number. So uh, the first mention of four is Genesis 2.10, where it talks about this. It says in Genesis 2.10, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four 
head. So the first time you see the number four is there, Genesis 2.10, right? In Genesis uh, 10.5 and in, in uh, other uh, uh, divisions, this is kind of interesting, it talk gives a fourfold division of mankind, sort of how mankind is separated as the world, as the earth began to populate. It says this in Genesis 10.5. It says, these were the isles of the Gentiles, right? The Gentiles divided into their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families, and in their nations. So you see sort of how man's uh, divided. Man has his land or country, right? So we have countries around the world that people are divided by. And then even within countries, you can have different nations of people, different groups of people. And then you go from there down to the, maybe different families within that nation, just like Israel, right? They were divided. You had the 12 tribes, the different families. So you have the different families. And then even among uh, within those families or groups, you can have different, uh, they might have their own language or even different languages or things within that. So that's kind of uh, interesting talking about the divisions of uh, man. In Daniel, we see uh, it talks about the four winds of the heavens. It talks about the four great beasts coming out of the sea. Let me give you this verse, uh, Daniel 7, 2 and 3, say this. Daniel spake, and you know, of course, Daniel, what book does, uh, when you study Daniel, what's the other book you should be studying? What, uh, what's, what's another book that should be studied with Daniel? Yes, David. Right, Daniel and Revelation should be studied together, right? <laughs> In uh, prophecy, and so you, so you see some of the things it talks about, in Revelation, you see it in Daniel, and it says this in Daniel 7, 2 and 3. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So you see about the four winds, you see about the four beasts there in Daniel, and these represent four world empires of the times of the Gentiles. So those four things represent the, the four great empires that would come upon the earth and during the time of what's called the time of the Gentiles. So interesting there. In the parable of the sower or the seed, right, talks about four different types of ground. Anybody name those, the four types of ground? Give me one. Stony ground. Good ground? Somebody else? Can't let him get all the answers. Thorny ground. What was that? Thorny ground? Thorny ground. Wayside. Pardon me? Huh? Four? Okay. That's what I thought. Right. The good ground. All right. Didn't, didn't hear well there. Sorry about that. Yeah. Stony, thorn, wayside, and good ground. All right. And then in in nature or natural instances, right? Right, the, the, uh, the year is divided into what? Four seasons, right? The Bible says, right, after the flood is long to the end, there's going to be the four seasons, spring, summer, autumn, uh, winter, right? So you know wherever God's country is going to be, it's going to have four seasons, amen? And then you have the four directions, right? The four directions, Isaiah 11, 12 says, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. 
But there's four directions, east, west, south, north. So God divided that into four there. So you have four seasons, you have four directions. So interesting things there with the number four. Now here's probably one of the most uh, interesting numbers in the Bible, the number five. Five. Now it stands for Kind of interesting, it sort of stands for two interesting things. What's five stand for? Raise your hand. Number five. And? Grace and? Yes. No. No. Death. Right. Grace and death. So this number is often associated with death, but also the grace of God. And of course, it's the grace of God that brought the death of Christ, and it's the death of Christ that brought grace to us. So kind of interesting there. The first death is mentioned in Genesis 5.5. And, and in the New Testament, you see death in Acts 5.5. That's interesting. Genesis 10.5. Uh, sorry, the... Uh, yeah, Genesis 5 5 and Acts 5 5 both mention death and the dimensions of the brazen altar. When you get to the temple, you think about this the dimension of the brazen altar upon which uh, sacrifices were made, right? Exodus 27 1 says this, talking about the brazen altar. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long, five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. So the brazen altar was five by five. Interesting. All right, another th uh, uh, good place we see the number five, right? When uh, David went to kill Goliath, how many smooth stones did he take? Five, right? And who, who knows why he took five stones? That's interesting that you see about the giants later, right? We always, we always say in case his brother showed up, he didn't think he was going to miss, right? But that is interesting. He took five smooth stones. And uh, what's another interesting thing, the means, you know, we're showing how the Bible, uh, how five representing the number of death, right? The first time death is mentioned, again, Genesis 5, 5. And uh, David, when he went to kill Goliath, five smooth stones. And when you look at a lot of times when you see an assassination, right? Somebody killing somebody in the Old Testament. How did they kill him? Who remembers? How, how did they kill him a lot of times? Right? I know that's funny. It always says under the fifth rib, right? Under the fifth rib. Boy, so if you're in the Old Testament, you always want to cover that, that fifth rib. But it talks about how they killed under the fifth, under the fifth uh, rib. That was in, interesting. The fifth rib. And then in, uh, in, in Revelation, it talks about the fifth seal. It talks about the fifth trumpet. And it talks about the fifth vial. There it's concerning death. Now let's look at some verses where it represents grace. The grace of God is revealed in Jesus Christ, notably in his substitutionary death for sinners. But the, the number five sometimes relates to grace, right? In Leviticus, right, you find uh, five offerings. Each picture, each of these five offerings 
picture some aspect of Christ's atonement, right? The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering, right? Those five offerings that represented something about Christ, and they were sacrificed where? On the burnt, they were all burnt on the altar that was five by five. Interesting, right? There's five women in Matthew's genealogy. Now, here's what's interesting, right? If we think about five as the number of grace, see if we can name the five women, right, that are mentioned in Christ's genealogy. And what's interesting about each of these five women, you'll see that what grace was shown in their life. Grace was shown in each one of these women's lives, and then they were also in the lineage of Christ. All right, who can? Right, Tamar. Right, who who was who was Tamar? Huh? His daughter-in-law. Right, and right, grace was shown in her life. All right, somebody else. Whose great grace was shown in her life? Rahab. Rahab, great grace, was shown in her life. Uh, Mary. Right, Mary, great grace. Ben. Ruth. Ruth, right, great grace was shown in her life. One more, another one who... Yeah. Think of a king. Think of a king. Think of a king. Let me give somebody else a chance. Think of a king, and you'll remember this woman. Right? Think of King David. So who is it? Bathsheba. So think about that. <laughs> Tamar. Right? We know what happened with her. Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Right? These five women, and God's grace, great grace was shown in each one of these women's lives. And yet, how much more being in the lineage of Christ. What a wonderful thought there. There were five porches on the pool of Bethesda. Five porches on the pool of Bethesda. And the pool of Bethesda means the house of kindness, the house of kindness. There were five wounds, right? When the Lord hung on the cross, there were five wounds, right, uh, on our Lord's body. So some very, very interesting things there about the number five, representing death and representing grace. And it's really... When you talk about the gospel, it's hard to separate grace and death, right? Because grace allowed the death, and then the death also brought grace into our life. Now, this should be an easy one for people to guess. The number six. The number six. Man, right, man, sinful man, Satan's man. Of course, uh, six is the one number in the Word of God, which is directly associated with, with man, with man. So interesting there. Man was created, of course, on the sixth day. Uh, Genesis 1, 27 and 31 say this. Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So man was created on the sixth day. So it's man's number. Six is a show associated with manual labor, right? After man fell into sin, 
Right before that, he didn't have to work, but he said, after that, he said, well, you'll learn by what? The sweat of your brow, the sweat of your bowels. So six is associated with man, right, and his manual labor. Man is to do work, what? Six days. The Hebrew servant had to be released after working for six years. The land could only be used for six years. Then on the seventh year, right, it was supposed to, even the land was supposed to, to rest. Uh, sort of interesting. Think about Romans 3.23. What's, what's Romans 3.23 say? Come on, you know the Romans road. Yes, David. Right. All of sin and come short of what? The glory of God. Well, what number represents, right? God's glory, huh? Right. If you think about that, you think of uh, uh, completion, right? The number of completion or perfection is what? Seven, which we'll see, right? And uh, you take six minus one. I mean, seven minus one is six, right? <laughs> Man falls short. He falls short by what? By one. And that one is Jesus. Boy, you could play into that, huh? Right? He falls short. Six falls short of seven by one. And that one, you could say, is Jesus. So uh, a nice thought there. There were, uh, there were six cities of refuge, right? You know, capital punishment is in the Bible. Capital punishment is in the Bible. It's, and it's right near uh, the beginning of the Bible. Where's the first place it's mentioned? Is it, is it Genesis 9-6 or somewhere around there where it says, you know, if man take life, by man shall his life be taken. So capital punishment is in, uh, is in the Bible. And so what's interesting is God wanted to show mercy. He gave what? Cities of refuge for the man that committed manslaughter, right? And how many, how many uh, cities of refuge were there? Six, right? Six cities of refuge for the manslayer. You can read about that in, uh, in Numbers uh, 35. Numbers 35, 6 says this. And among the cities which ye shall give unto Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither, and to them ye shall add, right, 40 and two uh, cities. But he started out with six cities of refuge. So we see sinful man in general, the number six, but also Satan's man, right? What's the most uh, well-known number in the Bible? 666, right, which you see in Revelation 13, 18 which says, for it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score and six. The book of Re Revelation reveals the satanic triad, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And then according to Revelation 13, 17, there are three things associated with the Antichrist, right? The mark of the beast, the name of the beast, and the number of his name uh, to be counted. So some interesting things things there. And then, according in uh, 1 Samuel 17, right, who, who defied the God of Israel, right? Well, Goliath did. And he stood what? He stood six cubits. His spear, right, was uh, 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 weighed six, uh, uh, an amount of 600. And he had, a, he had a son with what? Six toes and six uh, uh, fingers. Sort of interesting fact there about uh, Goliath, but the number six is associated with the reign of Solomon, which what was short of being perfect. 
I thought this was interesting. Second Chronicles 9.13 says, Now the weight of gold, right? The weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. I thought that's interesting. 666 talents of gold, 666 talents of gold, it says, came to Solomon every year. In 2 Chronicles 9.18, right? Remember, it talked about the glory of Solomon. And there were, what, six steps that went up to his throne. Kind of interesting, just those little things thrown in the Word of God with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne. So six steps that went up to his, his throne of glory. And he was how many years building the temple? And then how many years building, you know, his, his own place? So some interesting, interesting things uh, to study there uh, about Solomon and the number six. And Nebuchadnezzar, who was a forerunner of the Antichrist, made a great image of himself with the dimensions being of 60 by 60. It says this in Daniel 3.1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three, core, three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So two, two sixes there with the statue that uh, Nebuchadnezzar made. And then we'll finish with this next number, which is, of course, the number seven, which represents divine and spiritual perfection. Without doubt, seven is the most sacred number in the Word of God. It's the most obvious number when it comes to biblical numerology. It's the number of perfection. Think about uh, uh, this. Uh, on the cross, the Lord uttered how many statements? Order, uttered seven statements while He was upon the cross. The Bible talks about in Revelation 1.4, it talks about the spirits, the seven spirits, of God, the seven spirits of God. Isaiah 11.2 says this. Isaiah 11.2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then it mentions seven things. It mentions, right, the Lord. It says the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Then it mentions the Spirit of, it mentions these spirits, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of fear. So you see that when it talks about uh, the spirit resting upon the Lord. Of course, perfection is seen in God's creation. Well, God ended and rested what? On the seventh day. That was his, his day. The Lord's day is the seventh day. Light is visibly reflected in how many colors? Seven. There are... Now, you guys are going to help me with this. It says there's seven notes in uh, music. I don't know. Every time I played the piano, I came up with more than that. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. So I don't know. But I didn't count. Right? The, it says the human body goes through a cell cycle of seven years. I've heard, I've, uh, I've heard that. But it, if, when you read through the book of Revelation, seven is mentioned many times. I'll, just, I'll give you those quickly. But when you, as you read through the book of Revelation... You, of course, when you start out, you read about what? The seven churches. The seven spirits of God. The seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars. The seven lamps. The seven seals. Uh, if you don't have seven seals on your body, we ain't got the word of God. Just joking. All right? <laughs> the seven seals. 
the seven horns, the seven trumpets, the seven thunders, and the seven heads on the great red dragon, and then the seven crowns on the seven heads. And then another seven angels it talks about. Then it talks about the seven last plagues in the seven golden vials. Then it talks about the seven kings. Boy, a lot of sevens in the book of Revelation. But thank God there are seven blesseds in the book as well. And these are called, are known as the Beatitudes of Revelation. There are seven blesseds in the book as you read through Revelation uh, 1 and Revelation 14, Revelation 16, 19, 20, and 22, you see the seven blesseds as well. Despite all the destruction, amen, the Lord still uh, brings out the blessings. And there are never, there are, uh, here are some other notable sevens found elsewhere in the Bible. Now, this is important to remember when you talk about Noah's Ark. You know, everybody says, well, how many of each animal? Everybody says two. But how many of each clean beast went into the ark? Seven, right. Seven of each clean beast. Now, they, they went in two by twos, except for the last one. Who's like, eh, nobody wants to go in with me. Right. <laughs> Poor seventh one. I'd have been the first one in. That way nobody, see, like, dart in, let the other ones come in behind me, right? If you're going to be by yourself, go in first, right? Go in first, right? And then, of course, you know, of the unclean, there were only two, but the, of the clean, there were seven. That's interesting. In Leviticus 16, 14, this is interesting. Talking about, you know, when they uh, bless things there in Leviticus 16, where it says this, And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Seven times. So uh, as things were anointed there with the, the blood, they did it seven times times. There are seven feasts of the Lord. When you read, if you take time to read uh, Leviticus 23, all right, I'm not going to mention all the verse, but if you read Leviticus 23, where it talks about the feast of the Lord, there are seven feasts of the Lord. I'll just name them. In verse five, you'll see the Passover. In verse six, you'll see the feast of unleavened bread. In verse 10, you'll see the feast of first fruits. In verse 16, it talks about uh, 50 days, which represents Pentecost. In verse 24, it talks about the trumpets. In verse 27, it talks about the Day of Atonement. And then verse 34, it talks about that of the tabernacle. So seven feasts there uh, of the Lord. And then when, uh, when Naaman wanted to be, came and he wanted to be clean, right? And he got upset at Elisha, right? But he wanted to be what? He wanted, he wanted to be purified, right? Naaman wanted to be purified from his leprosy. How many times did Elisha tell him to dump in the, right? So there's your message, seven ducks in a dirty pond, seven ducks in a dirty pond, right? All right. And so uh, he, he told him to duck seven times. Another interesting seven in the Bible. And then, of course, when it talks about forgiveness in the Bible, the disciple says, Lord, how many times, uh, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? And the Lord said, what? No, 70 times seven. When you read about Jesus saying, I am, there are seven I ams in the gospel, according to John. In Ephesians 4, where it talks about uh, the sevenfold fruit of the Spirit. 
In Ephesians 6, it talks about the seven-piece armor of God. So a lot of interesting uh, sevens to study uh, throughout the Word of God. And again, it's not like these are like, you know, some big uh, doctrinal things you're getting in a fight over, but they are interesting things to study together and see how God put his book together. I think, you know, of course, we, we know that when it, when it was, uh, 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 you know, written, maybe there weren't uh, chapters and verses of everything, but when God uh, let it be uh, divided, it's amazing how he, he allowed certain things to fall in certain verses and, and uh, stuff like that. Uh, in our, in, in our Bible that are just a, a blessing to, to read through and see and understand that, uh, amen? Well, how can, you, how can you doubt there's a God, a God, of, uh, a God with right intelligent design and uh, the way that God put things uh, together? You just see it all through his creation, all through his, his book. Wonderful things. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, amen? But this is the dearest, amen, that Jesus loves me. But some interesting things to study in the Word of God. Let's pray.